the nation of Israel, ethnic Israel, is today at war on the day that we record this podcast. And the Israelis are strong allies. They certainly are a nation with with biblical historical significance. They're on our hearts. Uh, They're on our minds. The question arises, and it arose this Lord's Day uh, here at McGregor, Who are the heirs of the Abrahamic covenant today as we consider Israel biblically in 2024, as this is being recorded? Who is an heir of Abraham? Who is biblical Israel? Well, it's a question we're going to take a little bit of a look at today on Beyond the Notes. There is a central principle that we are going to we're going to return to from a from a couple of different um, passages as we answer this question or examine this question of of who today should we consider to be Israel the heirs of the Abrahamic covenant and the the principle is that there are are less. There are some people that that might expect to be heirs of the Abrahamic covenant. And there are some people that have no right to expect it, but by grace are anyway heirs of that covenant. So it's it's both an addition and a subtraction. One of the most vivid paragraphs on this principle in the Word of God describes it as a, a lopping off of branches, as I hit my lamp, a lopping off of branches and an adding in, a grafting in of branches. Um, so let's look at let's look at this this principle of, of uh, additions and subtractions, if you will, regarding the heirs of Abraham. Jesus himself forecast it. If you take your Bible, if you have it handy, or trust me, if you don't, and that's okay, I'll I'll read it accurately. Matthew chapter eight verses five through thirteen. Jesus is in the course of his earthly ministry, and uh, and travels to Capernaum. And here's the here's the account. Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go and he goes and to another, come and he comes and to my servant, do this and he does it. Well, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Now remember, this centurion was a Gentile. Of course he was. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the centurion, or to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Jesus, in his, in his quotation, says, there are going to be those who would expect to be associated with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when all is said and done, and they're going to find themselves in outer darkness. 
And then there are those who are going to come from east and west, by implication from far outside Judaism. But they are going to recline right at the table with the Jewish patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Jesus is, is, is teaching plainly, but he's not laying it out as clearly as later the New Testament will, which is often the case in progressive revelation. That is, revelation that is unfolding as the word of God is unfolding. Galatians 3, we already, we already saw on the Lord's Day. And if you've not watched the uh, sermon podcast from this week's Lord's Day, I would recommend that to you. Uh, Jesus has hinted at it, but Paul spells this out. Speaking of the Abrahamic covenant, the foundation, that passage in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, that lays out God's promise to Abram, the multifold promise of the land and the, the great number of people that will come and the uh, significance of the coming Messiah. The heirs of all that are people who follow Jesus Christ by faith. We see that in Galatians 3. I read these passages on the Lord's Day. I'll touch them again. Galatians 3, 7 says, Now then, or know then, that it is of those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. It is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Further down the chapter, verse 16, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. In all three instances uh, in the book of Genesis, when the Abrahamic covenant is given and then when it's uh, reiterated and fleshed out, given in Genesis 12, reiterated in 15 and 17, in all cases, the idea of offspring is, is tied. This covenant comes to the offspring of Abraham. And this is a case where Scripture interpreting Scripture could not be more explicit. The offspring of Abram, Abraham, to whom the covenant descends, is not a question that's open-ended. Galatians 3, 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. The Abrahamic covenant and the heirs of the Abrahamic covenant are those who come to Christ. It is in Christ that the Abrahamic covenant is fulfilled and applied in our day, Messiah having come. Verse 29 says it very, very plainly. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now, there's, a, there's another group of, of passages or another section of Scripture that speaks to this issue of, of Abraham and the promises made to him. And it's Romans 9, 10, and 11. And to, to flesh out the entire argument of Romans 9, 10, and 11 in this podcast is, is too long form. But the, the finale of Paul's statement, and an often quoted verse, is um, Romans 11, verse 26. Romans eleven twenty six 26 makes the statement that, well, let me 
Oh, that's why I'm in the wrong book of the Bible. When you look down at chapter 11, but it's not what you expected, you have to see what book of the Bible you're in, not just what chapter. There, Romans Romans 11. The, the chapter begins with a, a vivid word picture of the same dynamic Jesus described, that there will be some of ethnic Israel that are not connected to God forever because, frankly, they don't come to faith in Christ. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jewish people need Jesus. Gentile people need Jesus. But people who come to faith in Jesus become a part of God's chosen people. So I ask, uh, in Romans 11, beginning in verse 11, so I ask, did they stumble, that is, did the Jews stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for this world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their inclusion mean? Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order to somehow make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from death? What a good thing it is when a Jewish person comes to faith in the Jewish Messiah. If the dough offered as first roots is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Here it comes. Strategic paragraph beginning in verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, Although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember that it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. That is, you Gentile believers who find yourself now in faith, by grace, through faith, aligned with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God historically of the Jews, Don't be arrogant toward the Jews. Remember that that God's history with them is the story which you have joined. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But if you stand fast through faith, no, but you stand fast through faith. So don't become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. Remember, salvation, if it's real, sticks, and if it doesn't stick, it wasn't real. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? So there is this process of of lopping off those who don't come to faith in Christ and grafting in those who do. And that has been the process since Jesus came. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That is, there is a a space made for Gentiles to be grafted into the olive tree. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. 
Uh, how we fixate on the phrase, all Israel will be saved. But the entire argument of 9, 10, and 11 in the book of Romans is that, that the Israel of God is this olive plant into which are being grafted the Gentiles, out of which are being pruned unbelievers. And so once all is said and done, and the, the Gentiles that will be grafted in are grafted in, and the unbelieving Jews are removed. That is the biblical Israel, and that Israel will be saved in its entirety. It is in this manner all Israel will be saved, and it's the Israel he's been talking about for three chapters. There is no guarantee of salvation just because you're ethnically Jewish. Somehow that idea has, has leaked into the edges of some evangelicalism, but it is a misreading of Hebrews eleven twenty six. It doesn't simply say, and all Jews will be saved. It says in this way, talking about the previous paragraph that includes both ingrafting and pruning, ultimately all Israel will be saved. So who is Israel today? It's real simple. Israel today is the followers of Jesus Christ, the chosen people of God who have come to faith in Christ by grace through faith. Does that mean we don't care about national Israel? No. In fact, Paul grieves. He starts chapter 9, grieving the spiritual state of national Israel and wishing that they would come to faith in Christ as we wish they would come to faith in Christ. Certainly, God has a future for that location on the globe, and there will be salvations out of that nation in uh, an end times revival that we'll be talking more about and teaching more about in the future here at McGregor. But for now, the question for this podcast was, who today should we identify as biblical Israel? And the New Testament makes it clear. It's those who have followed Jesus Christ without respect to ethnicity or bloodline. If you are Christ's, you are an heir of the promises to Abraham the true and biblical Israel. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope it's intrigued you. If this is a topic that's interesting to you, get your Bible, do your digging, and God bless you. Um, don't forget to follow. Don't forget to share our podcasts. And we look forward to being with you next time on Beyond the Notes. Beyond the Notes.